Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and with me today is Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds, what's up? Hey, PD, how's it going? How about those brownies yesterday? Here, three and one, Cleveland Browns. Miracle of miracles. And, uh, you know, big events in the NHL this week. We've got the NHL draft. First round is Tuesday night, rounds two through seven on Wednesday. So I thought that this week we would bring in an expert, someone who is clued into the other levels of hockey, actually says he prefers watching the other levels over watching the NHL. He is Jeremy Dewar. Jeremy, welcome and thanks for being with us today. Hey, boys. Uh, great to be part of the canning cast here. Yeah, so full disclosure, uh, Jeremy is a, a, a friend of mine in Seeds. Uh, he and Seeds have a, a Riley and Jonesy vibe, if any of you are Letterkenny fans. But he, he really, truly is a uh, an expert here today. He has uh, worked for a couple teams in the AHL, the Grand Rapids Griffins and the Manchester Monarchs. He is currently a senior advisor and academic specialist for Stretch Pass Advising, uh, which is a company that provides guidance to uh, players in junior hockey. Uh, so I want to start with that, Jeremy. Tell us a little bit about your business there, Stretch Pass Advising, uh, and what sort of things you do there for that business. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so really, we've been doing the advising here for a little over a year now. Myself and Andrew, who started the company, both used to scout in the Central Canada Hockey League, which is uh, junior league, junior A league up near Ottawa. Um, so we, uh, we had scouted for them and found that we liked working with kids to uh, help them make their junior career happen. When you work for a Canadian team, you can only play six Americans. So we would talk to upwards of 60 kids all year. And at the end of uh, August, they'd have nowhere to play. So we found that we were kind of doing advising on our own uh, for free and uh, on the side. So when uh, we had an ownership change in the team level, we decided to get into the advising game basically. Just helping kids uh, find a place to play, navigate the junior landscape. A lot of different leagues out there uh, between the U.S. and Canada that they can go. Um, and a lot of families just don't have all the information. So uh, we like to work with them. You know, closest thing to the NHL is an agent. A lot of agents actually start as advisors for uh, players in the major junior level or in the NCAA level. Uh, so it's basically being an agent without negotiating contracts and things like that. We're just here to help uh help them navigate a good place to play and hopefully get on to NCAA or you know, whatever level they want to go to. 
so if someone had a uh, had a child who was who was playing like high school hockey, like they'd want to reach out to you to give them all the options for how their high how their hockey career could proceed. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. We uh, right now I'm working with everyone from uh, kids born in 2000 to 2005. So uh, we start as young as you're willing to work with us. Um, you know, 2005. You know, that's a kid that we could work with for six years here before he even steps foot on a campus. So. Uh, yeah, just, you know, navigating whether it's finding a place to play AAA hockey, especially uh, a lot of my clients come from the southern states where there's just not a lot of hockey opportunities and they're looking to relocate. Yeah, just working with you to help find a AAA spot, find junior A, junior B, whatever the move is, uh, and then work with you throughout your career, get your highlight package together, get talk to NCAA coaches and uh, really just be there to advocate for you. Uh, you know, your coaches have to balance 20 guys and winning games. We just have to worry about getting your career moved on. So that's the nice part is it's someone that only cares about you. Did you have to get any like licensures or certifications for that? Or obviously, you know, starting a business, but you know, to work with like any of the junior leagues or anything like that? So no. So advising is uh, no licensing required. Um, We are looking at, uh, after we do this for another year or two, maybe have kids that are getting to that professional age getting ourselves licensed to do that you know so we're going to definitely have to navigate that space probably not the nhl pa we're probably thinking more just the the pro hockey pa for the ahl and echl or looking at uh I, i've got a goalie right now that's expressed interest in playing abroad when he's done with college so uh you know starting to navigate that and and get into the contract negotiations and things like that but um yeah so for junior no uh it's just the wild west. We just get to go out there and uh, start right away as an advisor. It's pretty impromptu. So uh, to, to piggyback off that, advisors and agents for these players that are uh, on the NHL draft radar this week, what kind of stuff would they have been doing over the last year, and especially the last months here as the draft was delayed to help their clients? Yeah, to help your clients. I mean, basically, I think, you know, for these guys, at least uh, scouts are in the building. You know, a big part of ours is is we're pulling video or calling teams to, you know, use the website like Live Barn or Hockey TV to, to watch your games. Uh, these kids probably have scouts in the building already, but your advisor is probably talking about setting up either impromptu interviews, uh, giving you feedback on where your game's at or what they're hearing from scouts too. Because, um, again, coaches are a filter. They, they might give feedback, but you've still got to fit into their system. Uh, your advisor might hear things that are more about your personal game and not how it fits into the system. So uh, just things to work on, you know, setting up interviews with any scouting or any personnel that they can work with as well. Um, and just, you know, being your marketing guy, right? So you got to sell your client, got to sell them. Uh, there's not much that really separates these kids that are all getting graded out this way. So you've got to find your little niche and, and work the phone and know who you like and who your friends are and, and try and get your kid moving up the board a little bit. Jeremy, it's a pleasure to have you here on the, uh, the Cannon cast, especially on this, the one year anniversary of your trip down to Ohio stadium. Uh, one year ago today, Michigan state came to visit, uh, the shoe. So it's a pleasure to spend another year uh, with you of course. on this date. Hey, at least I, at least I don't have to chirp an old man today. So Jeremy, the, uh, the consensus number one pick in this draft is, uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Is he worth the hype in your opinion? If you were the Rangers, would you consider trading the pick if someone offered you like a King's ransom for it, uh, you know, an existing player or 
is this kid too good to pass up? You know, even though like you're the Rangers, you're, you've got Artemi Panarin on your left wing. Do you just stay at the stay number one and take this kid no matter what anyone offers you? Yeah. I mean, for me, there's, there's not a huge gap between him and probably who I have second, which I do. I'm a big Quentin Byfield fan uh, and have been for a couple of years. So, um, you know, depending on if, I can move back one spot to number two and what I got offered. Like I, you know, I would, you know, personally, if I was in the room as a scout or anyone, I would, I would consider that, but he is pretty clear cut ahead of everyone, you know? So it, it would take a pretty good package to make me pass up on that and, and put my job on the line to say I passed him up to go get Quentin Byfield. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely, I don't think he's at the class of like what we think of, of the generational guys of the, Matthews, McDavid, uh, you know, that level. I don't think he's ever going to be quite there. Um, and that'd probably be unfair to him to say he's going to be at that level. I think it's just more a product of with the year that he's in, he's just pretty far ahead of everyone else. Um, but not necessarily maybe a, a generational talent uh, compared to those guys. So uh, it's a class that's a little more clustered together and he pulled his, his, uh, his weight away. But um, yeah, I think, I'd, I think I'd stick with it if I was New York. So, so I guess as a, as a follow-up then, obviously, you know, from what I've read and seen that he's not, he's not your Matthews or McDavid or even probably a Jack Eichel. Would, how would you say he compares to someone who's recently been on the trading block and is kind of on Jackets fans radar right now in uh, Patrick Line? You know, kind of a Line is a pretty good pure goal scorer. Obviously he's not the playmaker or play driver, but the dude just puts the puck in the net. How would you say Lafreniere compares to someone like that? Uh, I mean, I think that's a pretty good comparison. I'll admit, you know, as a scouter advisor, we all have our biases. And the thing that knocks me on Alexis is I'm just not a huge fan of the Q. For It's it's really hard for me when I watch Q games to project those guys to the NHL just because it's been so different. But I'll be honest this year, the Q was pretty good. And I think he had some pretty good competition there. And he played well at the World Junior. and you know, has really done enough for me to kind of get that cue bias out of me. I don't know if uh, he can develop to be the the same body as Line A. Line A's body to me is just insane. Like the guy is a tank and he just uh, can still make moves that I don't understand how he can do at his size. But um, but no, I think that's a pretty good pretty good comparison for him. Uh, again, I, I would be cautious to say he reaches that level, but that certainly fits more than like a Matthews or McDavid. So uh, I think that's a pretty uh, pretty good comparison for sure, and nice to him too. So, so t- to shift now to players that are more in the range for the Blue Jackets, picking at number twenty one. So you uh, you work at Michigan State. You're, you follow Big Ten hockey a lot, obviously. Uh, so one prospect that I've heard about a lot that will be in range at number twenty one potentially is Dylan Holloway, who is playing at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, what have you noticed about his game so far? And you know, do you see him as an NHLer? And if so, what kind of role would he be playing in the NHL? Yeah, I, th- I certainly think he can make the NHL. You know, I but I would say he's probably you're looking at a third or fourth liner out of him. Uh, he's steady defensively. He's excellent at you know back checks. Covers his zone really, really well. He's got a pretty good stride and has power, so he's gonna his skating's not a concern for me. Um, not the quickest guy in the world, but he, you know I don't think that. Uh, that matters because once he gets going, he's got some speed. My my only concern is, I guess, basically, you know, with where the Jackets are picking, it's not bad to take a depth forward that could be your third or fourth line and 
and lock that down for a while. Uh, but with the third and fourth line, it just depends how you want to construct it. You can construct it in the Tampa Bay way and just still want to get a lot of points out of that line. Or you could be a more defensive team that wants a guy that's just going to chew up minutes. So if that's what you're looking for is a guy that chew up minutes, I think he's a good fit. You know, and he showed a pretty big jump. The, the junior league he came from, to go from there to the NCAA was a pretty big jump, but he did not struggle as much as uh, he could have his freshman year. So I think he's a good player, but yeah, I would uh, I would say he's probably not going to be, if you want to draft best player available, I'd be shocked if he's on skill talent, the best one available at that position. But if you want to you know, go on a style, he could fit a style of what you want to cover. Yes. So do you think that when you're drafting in the late first round like that, are you better off taking a player who would be guaranteed to make the NHL, even if only in a role player role? Or do you think you're better off going for a guy that maybe has a higher ceiling, but also a lower floor and is maybe a more risky pick? Uh, I mean, that's that's one of the arguments that happens in the room, right? You have your scouts who fall in love with their region guys. Or, you know, I think... I think you honestly have to look at how your last few classes have come together. If you've taken some swings in the last few classes, and as you look at it, those guys are now you're looking and you're saying, I don't think he's going to get out of the AHL. I don't think he's going to be the guy we thought he was going to be. Then maybe if you've done that for a couple of years, you got to go safe. Like we can't have three misses in a row. We got to get one here. Um, we don't want to have a big gap in our development. Uh, but if you feel like, you know, you're on a pretty good run of, these guys are going to make it and we're not going to run into an issue. Take the swing on it because, you know, one year down to me is not going to be your killer, especially when you're drafting in like the 20s. Um, obviously, you miss on a top five pick. That's that's going to set your franchise back. But you miss on a 20s to 30s, like, you know. We know. <laughs> it happens all the time, right? I mean, I mean, I, you know, grew up a Red Wings fan and a lot of, a lot of Red Wings, they like to brag about their sixth and seventh round picks, but there's a lot of first round picks in there that just never – developed you know thomas mccollum was a late first or second round pick and he never made out of the ahl that's okay you know it's gonna happen here there's free agency there's trades you can make it up um so i think in this spot that columbus is at and with their draft history i think they can kind of go either way i would just draft my best player available and and fit it fill in around them i was gonna say that the fact that they you know had traded away both their 2017 and 2019 first round picks I think makes it more imperative that they can't really throw this one away, that they're better off getting some player that, that has the higher floor. you know. But I, I do see your point that if you have been hitting on enough other picks, that you can go ahead and take the reach. Um, but with you know the lack of other recent first-round picks and with no second or third this year, at least at this point, I can see Yarmouk trading for some second and third-round picks. But yeah, I, 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 don't, I think... There isn't necessarily that pipeline depth to to take that risk at this point. That's my that's my stand on this. I think Seeds, I think you might disagree on that, but today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs who have big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, 
and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Jeremy, with that discussion about Dylan Holloway and him kind of being like a you know projected best case scenario top nine center or top nine player in the NHL, are there any other guys you think we should be paying attention to at 21? Anyone who really jumps off the page to you that someone like us might not, uh, you know, people who are writing their previews based on or draft profiles based on YouTube videos and, you know, some stats page on elite prospects. Is there anyone who uh, jumps off the page to you that we should be looking out for? Well, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, most of my clients are not at the CHL level. So that's where I'm operating a lot of times too, is still looking at videos. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the guys that stood out to me of like, uh, you know, the guys that have been previewed over at the Canon were, I think both defensemen, you can't go wrong. Uh, both in Caden Gould, uh, big kid out of Prince Albert. Like I love getting a WHL defenseman. So I like that both options are WHL defensemen. I think that's just a tough league. I mean, I, it's the most physical junior league you're going to find. Um, and I, I mean, I mean that beyond just like, sure, they have the fights and they have some stuff that happens, but it's just, it's big kids. It's really, really good skill players from the States. They get to play in the WHL. Uh, but then, you know, you got to, that's the hardest season for me to survive. You have long bus trips, really physical games. It's just a wearing, wearing season on those kids. So the guys that are coming out of the W, especially playing defense and being a physical guy, I feel like they're going to be able to make that adjustment to the pros, maybe at a little bit simpler way than uh, someone that came from a little bit of a different style of league, especially like a Euro league or, uh, you know, NCAA with only 25 to 30 games. Like I love both options with Schneider or, uh, goal. I think they're both good. Um, pretty similar. And, and, and I'll point out there two for, for Jackets fans that uh, Seth Jones and Ryan Murray were both also veterans of the WHL. Yeah. Hey, so, one for one for two is in pen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I think they're both pretty similar to um, Goal. To me, is a little bit better of like an offensive defenseman. Uh, I noticed on his video, the thing that jumped out to me was every first pass he made, he just joined to the rush right away. It wasn't, hey, let's see if there's an opening for me to get into this rush. It was as soon as he made a pass, he was already going to a lane and saying, like, I'm just, this is like a run. I'm going to go, um, which, you know, in the, especially in junior, you can get away with that. He's got to make sure that he's still obviously defensively responsible in NHL. But I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me uh, about his game. And then looking at Schneider. But that's something that, that you know, Torts actually, he likes. You know, Torts has been emphasizing the Jackets defensemen join the rush if they've got those that skill oh, yeah. set. You know, the, the whole safe is death thing. I also, when I was watching the videos, the thing that stood out to me was his positioning. It seemed like he was always exactly where he should be on the ice. He wasn't having to race to catch up. He was making all of the right angles. And that's something that shows a lot of maturity and hockey awareness. So when I see that in a young defenseman, 
that that that's what I like when I see a, a, a young player like that. Yeah, especially one that roams, right? Like he doesn't roam and then get himself caught in a bad position. Is he he knows when to take his rushes and where to go, and then he knows how to be uh, sound defensively as well. So, yeah, I thought he was really he had really good hips. I wrote down too, which for his size, you know, to be able to to really get around. I think that's part of that positioning too. Like he's not out of control because he has good hips. He can flip his body around. He can get where he needs to go really well. Um, Schneider, to me, I actually, again, maybe showing my Detroit bias and Little Caesars bias here, but when I looked at Schneider, I saw a 2020 version of like a Darian Hatcher. Big kid. Helps that he was wearing number two as well. But uh, just his whole highlight video, I think the first five minutes was just him laying guys out and is, you know, it wasn't even made in like the hockey fights version. It was just like perfect sound positioning and then he still just blew the kid up. So, uh, big dude. I don't think he's going to have the offensive upside at all of a goalie. So I think Caden's probably a little bit of that. You're talking about that higher floor. I think Caden's going to have the higher floor, um, especially as the NHL moves to needing more points from your defenseman. You can't just rely on your forwards to be chipping in all the time. So I think Caden's probably the one for me of the better two defensemen. So yeah, and again, I, I play defense. I usually work with defenders and goaltenders. So uh I, I tend to pull my eye towards them anyway. Uh, you know, I think either way with either one of those, you can't go wrong. Yeah, you grew up watching the perfect human, so you know it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Nick, Nick Wistrom kind of warps your uh, your view of what defense is. So, so I wrote a preview on one of the forwards uh, went up last week, and I thought the guy was really interesting, but he has a history of injury problems. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Hendrix Lapierre? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at LaPierre, had a really good Ivan Huenka tournament this year, which is kind of where he blew up. I mean, he was over two points a game. And Ivan Huenka tournament is usually a great place to springboard yourself on the NHL play, like, radar. Um, my thing for me, I, I what I wrote down about him is I think he had probably the best hands of anyone that I watched at all, uh, which, you know, that can be a mistake because you can think you can get yourself out of situations that you can't and then you're injured. So, uh, you know, maybe he thinks his hands are a little too good. Um, and, and definitely a playmaker over a scorer. So again, uh, you know, I think I'd project him to be, you know, a top nine guy. If your team is trying to be high scoring, I don't think you want to use him in your top six. Um, I think he would be best on your third line and you never know how guys can adapt to that from, first line player all their life to third line. So uh, I'd have to see how my interview with him goes and see where, uh, see where it's going with that. Uh, injury concerns though, for me, I don't know. It, it, I'm not a doctor, but I, I always look at it as like, you know, these kids aren't getting the type of medical care, the type of training that you're going to be able to get at the NHL level. So muscle issues, uh, things like that. It's just like, you can always chalk it up to do this, does he have a good weight coach? Does he have the things we're going to give him to, to keep him healthy year round? Or is the organization that he's coming from not so stacked? Now, was he, was he the one who had had specifically the concussion issue? I, I think he'd had a couple concussions. Okay. At least. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 Jeremy, have you, have you had experience with concussions from playing hockey? Uh, yeah, I probably put myself uh, in the in the rearview mirror, probably like learning what a concussion was, you know later in life probably like double digits or so um too severe too severe ones that uh you know blackout don't remember what happened for a whole period you know stuff like that 
So it's certainly a concern. Um, he's a smaller guy, so I would be concerned with that. And like I said, the style of game he has, he's going to stick in himself into some bad situations. So uh, he's got to either adjust his game or it could be a concern for sure. Yeah. So when I, when I hear like good hands, playmaker, but not a scorer, concussion history, I, I just worry that's going to just be another Alex Wenberg, which I don't think yeah, we necessarily yeah. need another one. It's been bad enough those. having the one. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had him lower ranked, even despite his great numbers. I think, like uh, Steve's mentioned before, like if you look at it, drafting off an elite prospects page, I thought his was a pretty good page. Um, again, especially because I could just look at his Ivan Holinka tournament and say that alone makes him first round. Uh, but there's enough issues going on and you know, other players at that spot that I think are probably a better fit. Right. And, and full disclosure, writing his, writing his draft prospect profile. Like I, I looked at his elite prospects page and I was like, like, cause that, cause that was the first thing I did is I went and looked him up on elite prospects. And I was like, Oh my God, why, why would, if this guy's available at our, at our slot, why wouldn't we take this guy? Started doing some digging, started watching some video. And I was like, I'm not really sure. I like this guy. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like I don't, and then and then I read about all the concussion issues, and that just kind of it wasn't the deciding factor, but it was the cherry on the Sunday of I'm not sure we need another guy like this, so I'm just I'm willing to pass on that guy, and just because you know we've we've seen this team have enough issues with pass first playmakers that. Eventually, you've got to to win in the NHL. You've got to start putting the puck in the net, and Columbus was twenty eighth in the league doing that this year. So, got to got to got to find a guy who can score goals eventually. So, so of the forwards that could be available, then which uh, which of the ones caught your attention as being scorers? Uh, yeah. So, if I was looking at scores, I mean, a guy who I thought was a really good scorer in like a not I mean not at the OV level, but at OV level of like you could just set him up for one timers all day was Jacob Perot out of Sarnia. Again, like like I was mentioning with Schneider's video, the first five minutes being hits, I think the first two minutes of Perot's video is going to be him just teeing off one-timers. Um, so Sarnia clearly liked whatever he could do for them to just sit the face off down and tee those up. Um, he's got a really good shot. I think he has a nice, the best release out of any of the kids that I watched, um, which when we talk about, like, I mean, the best release in the league right now is Austin Matthews, but it's just more and more of these defensemen take away the space that you have. You have to get your shot off with, like, you know, just like that. So uh, that was what I think separated Perot a little bit, what I liked about him. And also, he was a thick kid. He's almost 200 pounds at 5'11", you know, in the Sarnia weightlifting program right now. And they've done that before. I mean, Domi came out of there. They've worked with some thick forwards who, uh, you know, translate pretty well. So, and that's a program that I trust. Like Sarnia and O is a, is a good program, I think. You know, you can definitely feel solid about any kid that you get out of there. Another kid that I liked, just because I think, you know, this league does gets overlooked a little bit, is uh, Lucas Reichel out of Germany. Um, both he has a family, which is a typical NHL thing to say. He's got a family full of NHL or pro hockey players, right? Um, but the biggest thing is he's he's played full seasons in Miguel, which is, you know, grown men. And it's a pretty good league. I mean, that league gets stacked a lot with uh, former NHLers that are just kind of doing their last contract or, their wives want to live abroad for a year, so they signed in Germany. So it's a pretty good league over there. And you know, watching his videos, um, as I compared him to some of the other Euro guys that you guys previewed, I looked at him as the best Euro guy, uh, just because he wasn't doing it on the Euro junior circuit, he was doing it in their pro league. So 
uh, pretty good carrier. He's he's good puck carrier. He was skating all over the place, and I like his point total. So uh, Reichel and uh, Perot probably stood out the most to me. Um, and also Maverick Bork, similar to to Jacob Perot, like one-timers all over the place, quick release. I think those were probably the three forwards that I – I kind of liked the most from their video and, and their background. Yeah. And I think uh, when I was doing the mock Perot went at number 20 to New Jersey. And I think if he had still been on the board, that would have been a tough call for me between him and Gooley because I was also kind of biased towards needing a forward, but the, you know, our former site manager talked me into the defenseman thing, but yeah, there's a lot about Perot's game from what I read that, uh, that I liked for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, like I said, it, for me, a, a big part of our thing when we look at the advising and scouting too is a lot of it comes down to pedigree of your programs too. Uh, so if I'm picking in the 20s and I can take a kid out of Sarnia, I'll feel really good about his development and and leaving him there for another year, uh, you know, to play this season because who knows what the AHL is going to be like or anything like that. Obviously, being an OHL right, he couldn't come unless he comes straight to the NHL anyways, which I don't think he's ready for the NHL. So. Uh, you know, I think it's a good thing to have him develop in Sarnia and, and a good place too that you could trust his development until you can uh, get your hands on him. Back to sort of draft philosophy, are there things that the NHL tends to overrate in their prospects? And by the same token, what were, what are feature, what are the most important things that you would look for if you were an NHL scouting director? What would be the things that you would see as signs for success? And, and then what are the things that you think they put too much stock in? Uh, so I kind of actually covered one of the the stock. I hate the pedigree thing, even though I just used it for myself, right? Uh, it's a bad habit to break. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough one. And I know there there's so much that can come out of it, like a kid seeing their dad be pro, they know how to be professional or all these other things. But uh, I think sometimes that, that old boys network gets a little overused. Uh, Kirby Reichel could be exhibit A of that, I think, for round. Columbus fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully not in the first round, right? But I mean, I definitely think that comes into play. For me, it, you know, maybe it's just that I'm not at the scout at the NHL level, but uh, I always find it lazy when scouts mention skating in their first couple words about a kid. Um, unless he's an exceptional, like, he's blowing every kid off the water. Like, to me, they're all strong skaters. There's going to be little minor differences. There's going to be little separations. Uh, but if you're looking at your NHL board, there shouldn't be huge gaps in the skating ability. It should be pretty close uh, all the way around. Um, so I think that's one that they lean on too heavily for me. And that's also one that I think can be really coached the most. Uh, to me, you're a skate coach in, you can work a kid over pretty well uh, if you make it a target for him. So I, I don't like focusing in on their skating too much. It, to me, it's either it rules them out, but it doesn't really rule them in. Uh, I will definitely pass on kids who I think just don't cut it, but uh, but anyone can be worked with if they can at least meet my minimum. So the skating is probably one that they lean on too much. Is skating different? Because I know I know you've mentioned hips a couple times. Is skating different than like how players use their hips? Because I first of all I can't skate to save my life, so um, so I'm I'm genuinely yeah. asking here. I don't I don't I'm, you know <laughs> I grew up playing like soccer. And yeah, I think kid. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, so I. A lot of times it just feels like scouts really mention skating if they like, you know, you look at a kid's breakaways, you're pulling away from someone or is he kind of step for step. Um, a great way to look at a good skater is if they come around the net, you know, kind of on their D zone and they're coming up the ice, how quick they're accelerating. Like, does it feel like, you know, as soon as they came out of that turn, they were flying. 
but hips is really more of a thing, especially with defensemen that I look at because so much of a defenseman's life of skating, you're not skating north, south, forward and the whole time. You're kind of doing you're skating forward, puck gets turned over, I've got to transition to backwards, and then I gotta transition to side and push them into the boards. Like you gotta have the hip flips to do all of that. You can be a great north-south skater, but if you can't kind of I guess the closest thing would be like a running back, right? Like they can be fast, but if they can't flip their hips or make that first cut when they get through the hole, that's they can only go so far. So that's kind of what I look at like hips is it's it's more agility than uh than pure skating ability. Well, and I feel like they talk about that a lot in – I feel like hips come up in a lot of sports, but like in football too, they talk about with uh, defensive backs, especially cornerbacks, right. that their hips – because they have to do a lot of backwards turning running as well with with uh, right receivers and then turning to match them stride for stride and all that. And the guys that can't turn quick enough are going to get burned. So, yep. yeah, yeah, that makes a lot and of sense. Things that I think they don't focus on enough – again, I, to me, these, these skill talents are going to be so close – I would lean much more heavier on the interviews than maybe they do. Um, and I think where teams go wrong with interviews is it's not enough people in the room and it's not enough different people in the room. Uh, I mean, how many times we hear about some guys, a head case, but he interviewed with three 60 year old white males and he came out a head case. But if you had maybe, you know, I look at the coaches that I kind of idolized as I was coming up and this guy like Sheldon Keefe was a guy that I knew his brother from the Griffins and, kind of followed Sheldon. He actually coached in Pembroke ahead of when I worked there. Um, so I kind of always followed his career, but I look at Sheldon, like, he's a younger guy. He you put him in the room. Maybe the kid will say something that a 60 year old interprets one way and Sheldon goes, yeah, that's not really a big deal. That's just how they all talk now. That's not, you know, that's not a huge deal. So um, I think the interviews could be done better. I think that's uh that's one thing that I've always kind of, whenever I hear about the scouting, like, in the scouting circles, you just hear a lot of the funny like horror stories of how things go at these combines. And that's always one that is just like what the guys that are complaining about uh, around the cold coffee and you go, yeah, that's not a big deal. I don't know why you wouldn't draft a kid over that. Now, is that, a, is that a thing that could maybe change after this year? Because I know that, you know, the combine was canceled this year. And so all the interviews have had to be done over video conferences. But I wonder if that might be something that will become permanent because it gives teams the chance to interview a lot more guys and maybe get more people involved in the interviews than they would if you had to get everyone in the same room for a limited period of time where you're all in the same place. Right. Or even could they like theoretically like record it like we are this zoom meeting and then play it back for a younger, their scouting staff and be like, Hey, what'd you guys think of what this guy said to these three questions? You know, it's, and then some, someone can say, you know, they they say fit instead of outfit anymore. They're not just like being disrespectful right. to you or something like that. Like it's just you know you know it's a stupid example, but it's just something like you know they could just say no you you, you just interpreted it the wrong way because you're a hockey lifer and these kids sixteen seventeen like uh, I mean I think I think it would be good to see that uh, I'm skeptical that it would happen. I still see uh, most NHL scouting rooms or most front offices kind of like the money ball scene where they're sitting there talking at the beginning about well he dates a four so he doesn't have confidence like that's where <laughs> i see most nhl sky departments right now um from from at least the interview perspective that's where i would see them trying to dissect something so i think uh and i think again kind of like we talked about with swings or misses on on guys in the draft i think it depends if you think you came out of this draft great maybe you you liked the interviews and you go well that that worked great for us. We're going to stick with it. 
Um, but for a team that maybe felt like, hey, we came out of this draft and we drafted a kid and he was totally different than we thought, they might blame that on the video conferencing. So I think it is going to be something that uh, hopefully these teams, just through the fact that they're forced to do it, will do a little bit more of, especially um, a lot of European players like get to do uh, more interviews with like the people that they're working with, their coaches, their trainers, everyone get more of a feel, not just trust your one European scout to have an opinion on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I don't see a reason not to, but then I look at a lot of the NHL and say, well, there's a lot of things they do that I don't see why they still do it. So we'll, we'll just have to see on that one. <laughs> so yeah, is there anything else that you would look for, especially in terms of maybe physical aspects or hockey skill aspects that you would look for in a, a drafted player? So, I mean, there's a lot of successful smaller guys, but I think I would look at, you know, I, I still lean towards, I want a guy that's probably, if he's small now, that's fine. But can I put 20 to 30 pounds on him? Like, can I get him to just be able to handle 82 games with someone leaning on him and then go make a playoff run with him? So, so, so the 10 pounds that I put on my five, six frame here during quarantine <laughs> is, a, is a positive attribute. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I... I think that's one thing for me. And again, I think it all comes back to you, like your scouting circles, right? So up here in Michigan, we tend to have a little bit of the thicker kids. Uh, then like when we go play, maybe the New England kids are a little bit different. Uh, so they're a little more wiry and a little more tenacious, but Michigan kids are always a little bit. You know, like like those, kid, those kids that have somehow lost weight during, during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, I think, a, you know, a good size and just, especially now, like, these kids are all going to hire their own trainer. They're all going to hire, you know, they're going to work with Gary Roberts in the off season or some type of group, or, you know, a bio steel camp. I just want to make sure that I know they can handle it. Uh, and that what they are at 18 is still going to develop a little bit, <laughs> you know, so do the old school thing of look at dad. Did he develop? Did he, is he short, tall, big, different? Uh, you know, so I think, again, those are things that I highlight and those are just more the off ice things when I'm looking at a player on the ice, at this level, the hockey IQ is everything to me. Um, if you can tell that the kid just gets it, you know, that can make up from the fact that he may be a second-line talent, but he can get himself in the first-line positions. That's huge to me. And, and I'm, that's something that I don't think they can teach you at the NHL level. Like, you'll watch video every day, but you're doing it every day. So you're just going to get worn out. You're just going to get tired. If this isn't instinctual for you, it, we're going to hit a wall at some point in your development. Yeah. Now, is hockey IQ, is that something that can be worked on at the lower levels? Or is that is there a large degree of that is that is just innate, that some players have it and some don't? Or is that something that a you know 10-year-old player can be can be working on at that point? Or a or a 15-year-old player can be working yeah. on? Yeah. No, I certainly I believe that they can be worked on. Um, but I think it's uh like anything mental, it's it's mostly innate, but it involves like do they have the willingness to want to learn it? Um you know, certainly there's things that they just know, like they just pick up. You don't, you know, I'm not saying here that uh, hockey players are geniuses, but, you know, a lot of it's just, if you're not wanting to watch hockey when you're off the ice, if you're not wanting to read about hockey when you're off the ice, if you're not, if all you want to do at practice is just go and work on your one-timers for 30 minutes, then get off the ice, like you're probably not going to be the guy that learned the systems and learned all the little ins and outs. Um, but you can tell those guys who have put in that time who when they're not at the rink or watching some video back of either themselves or someone they want to be like, 
you know, goalies are great at this. Like the best goalies are just, those guys are the video hounds. They watch every goalie they like. They can break it down the way like a quarterback breaks down is three-step versus five-step drop. Like those are the guys that I love to work with are the goalies because those guys can just, they make it homework all the time. And uh, so, so yeah, that's the stuff that I like to see is just the kids who you can tell. And, and a lot of that, again, comes back to like, you can talk to the coaches. Like if you tell them to do something, does he do it the first time or does it take him five times to get it? Um, and, you know, that's a lot of just trusting the coaches or your scouts that you're working with. All right. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight onto this whole process and everything. Where can people uh, f- find more about you, more about uh, Stretch Press Advising? Yeah. So uh, definitely uh, Twitter is a great place to interact. So uh, my ad is Jeremy underscore Dewar, uh, last name D-E-W-A-R. Um, we also have a website, stretchpassadvising.com. Uh, you can definitely learn more about us and like all the the uh, services we provide and work with we do have men and women advisors so uh you know we're not just uh sticking to one side of there so if you have a woman player that you think could use some services we can help them as well yeah we're definitely out there uh, that's, that's great because because women's hockey is growing so much so that's i'm glad that you're you're part of that yeah. scene as well because it's it's really cool to see how much that has been booming yeah and it's and it, to be anything honest like uh that might be the thing that needs the most advising, right? I mean, I'm in Michigan and we have one division uh, three varsity program. So, you know, all the girls here need to find a place to play and get out of state. So it's uh, it's great to have someone that knows coaches or is doing that work for you. So you can just focus on your game. You don't have to email coaches all night or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, so we do both men's and women's, you know, a lot of work with them. So. Definitely uh, reach out to us if uh, you have anyone that you know might need some help or any questions. And, you know, support your local hockey. I was just telling you guys about the Columbus Mavericks. They had a good weekend this weekend. They played uh, against a kid who's a future client of mine. So they had uh, they had themselves a good 4-0 weekend. So even though, you know, the Blue Jackets might not start until January, I know the Mavericks are uh, having some fans. So Yeah, so yes, for, for those of you who haven't heard about them, the Columbus Mavericks are a – junior hockey team that just started was it last season or two years ago that's uh yep last season was the first year playing so i think they got announced like two years ago but yeah so so be sure to look them up and so that is uh live hockey uh, that is happening uh in columbus and is another alternative to the uh the blue jackets in ohio state uh if you're looking for more hockey to uh to be watching and it's a a great thing for this city to have because there's a lot of a lot of obviously a lot of youth talent youth hockey has blown up so much in Columbus over the last 20 years. And uh, earlier uh, this summer, we had two different episodes where we talked to members of the Columbus Ice Hockey Club, uh, talking about how they'd grown that. And I know there's some uh, Columbus Ice Hockey Club alumni on the Mavericks, uh, and they've done great things for hockey diversity. So uh, it's nice for them to have another outlet as well to get players to to the next level. It's a great thing. And I know, and I know we've got some, some Big Ten hockey fans, some Ohio State hockey fans here on the who listen to the podcast. Uh, Jeremy, I've had the pleasure of skating on Munn's ice with you. Poorly, but I did I did move around on the ice. If people want to hear you talk about Big Ten hockey, where can they find you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I also have a, uh, a podcast, the House Divided podcast. Uh, unfortunately, it is uh, co-hosted by a U of M fan, so Ooh. you guys can join me in, in my, uh, my anguish there. Um, but yeah, so we cover... You know, we mainly focus on uh, all things University of Michigan and Michigan State. So, uh, but we came together because we wanted to make sure that there was some coverage of college hockey. So, 
Uh, we'll cover college hockey, college football, college basketball mainly. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, we love to get into the college hockey uh, part, and it looks like there's going to be some season stuff coming up on that. So we'll uh, we'll definitely have to cover it. Well, thanks again, Jeremy, and thank you to everyone for listening today. There's a lot of happenings this week in the NHL. We've got the draft on Tuesday and Wednesday. Free agency starts on Friday. We will have open threads for the draft and for free agency at jacketscannon.com. Be sure to check that out. Check out our site as well for profiles of a lot of these prospects that we discussed here today. You can see more information about them and videos from those players. Be sure to check that out, and we will catch you next week. Oh, you're cool like-